are listening to the Blade and Chalice podcast, hosted by David Kahn. Welcome back to the Blade and Chalice podcast. This week's guest holds two world-class sailing records and truly understands the nature of mind over matter. He has had a 20-year-plus deep relationship with psychology, holds a master's degree in computer science, and has worked with brain stimulation for over five years. I am so pleased to welcome Yassine Darkwe. Yassine, how's it going today, man? So thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, David. It's a pleasure to see you again. Everything is good. Everything is fine. We are enjoying the last days in this uh, beautiful uh, tropical winter here in Indonesia. Lovely. And I, as I understand, in Indonesia, you have um, really been taking some time and going deep into the layers of how the brain works and what human potential is basically encapsulated in that frequency vault that we have between our two ears. Is that true? Yeah, the, the last year and a half, I have been exploring more in the brain simulation field uh, using sounds. And um, for the, this year, the main thing was to create new programs and uh, allowing people to solve their issues in a super fast way. Super fast, but also very pleasant way. You know, by listening to sounds with beautiful melodies on top of uh, those frequencies, we can just change in the way we want. So it sounds like magic and it's not magic, it's science actually. Well, it's magic as well. <laughs> For the listeners, by the way, I need to say this. Yeah. I've been obviously promoting um, sound, the use of sound and the, the ability of sound to activate our own self-healing mechanisms in the body. I've also shared with them some of the work that I've done around this. And we do some of this stuff, but Yassine was pivotal in my own experience. And I truly respect this man deeply because when I was in Bali, that's where we met. And we met in the context of these frequencies. And so Yassine has helped me tremendously learn about some stuff that was very technical that I hadn't known before. And it has helped me with the work that I do. So I have a deep respect and there's a deep sense of um, being very solid colleagues in this work that we do. So there's a lot of overlap in what we do. And it's quite beautiful because, you know, the work that he does there, you can see elements of it in my work as well. There are, they are different. You know, we, we do have our own flavors and that's the beauty of what we do is that people resonate with certain flavors. They need a bit of diversity, right? And the more people out there doing this type of work with brain stimulation also increases the awareness of it. So people become more aware of it and they become more aware of, you know, the fact that there's a difference between the four hertz, 432 frequency they see on YouTube of a binaural beat that, you know, makes them kind of feel relaxed yeah. and the stuff that actually, you know, goes in and helps them to um, rewire their brain extensively. So what I'd like really to start with you seeing is to really hear about um, your journey. I really want to hear about your journey in coming to this okay. type of frequency therapy, because I've heard it before and oh. I, I very much feel the deep passion you have for this emanating from your story. Okay. So yeah, it will be a pleasure to share with all of you. 
well, uh, things uh, started 20 years ago. And what happened 20 years ago, I was dealing with uh, uh, hard drugs addiction. I was in love with hard drugs and, uh, and also I was uh, going through a depression. And one of my friends gave me one of the CDs he got from, at the time, the biggest company in the field, brain simulation field. At the time, uh, only binaural beats were available in the market. No one knew about isochronic tones. So I gave it a try for a couple of weeks. And I noticed that, wow, something amazing happened in here. But then I gave up in that. You know, I switched back to drugs because, you know, I was more in love with drugs than uh, maybe self-development. Anyways, five years ago, something happened in my life that, you know, put me back in, in this field. And uh, so what's happened basically is that um, I had a business in Thailand. It was a company I created. It was a flying boat I designed. Everything was going fine. I was happy with the project. I was working very hard. I made it happen so the boat could fly. And uh, at the end of the road, my partner just got my company. They stole basically, okay, to make it short, they stole my business and I got treated with uh, going to prison. May, uh, basically, I had to give up in the company, the design, the passwords and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I went broke. I was sad, I was depressed, I wasn't feeling good at all. And at the time I said, okay, so I lost this company, I lost this business and my visa as well. So I had to leave the country, but at least I still have love in my life. At the time I was married, I still have love. I still love a woman, she loves me. What will happen the next uh, couple of weeks is that one day we switch from I love you from her side, you know, I love you, you're amazing, to nothing, she disappeared turned the phone off so you know it's like a movie i found myself like uh, you know falling like boom head first i hit the floor and um, i found also myself in lombok you know a remote place with uh, no one of my friends and lombok I indonesia bad. i was feeling bad yes okay i spent three months there and uh, so you know uh, i had basically two main choices one choice was to dive in my sadness and stay there. You know, sometimes sadness can feel kind of comfortable and see myself as a victim of what happened. The other choice was, and I, I had a talk with myself, you know, it's like if I uh, stood up in front of myself and said, look, okay, you will cry, you will feel pain, but every single day you have to make one step. You have to move forward. And this is a great chance for you. That's what I said to myself. I said, this is a great chance for me to learn something that can be shared with others. Because at the same time, I was looking for something to do for the community, for people. You know, building uh, expensive, tiny flying boats was great. But deep, deep inside, I was looking for a project that could really help people to overcome their challenges in a very effective way, not just a promise. So I started, that's how I started to, to study about brain simulation. And uh, so I brought all my knowledge in mathematics, psychology, philosophy into the field. And, you know, uh, I was spending some days, 17 hours in front of my computer, just studying, hacking my brain and going through the scientific papers. That, by the way, are pretty boring, you know, <laughs> but it was very important to do that. So this yes. is how it started there. And uh, yeah, so that was the beginning. That is, I mean, that's quite a powerful um, impulse to do something, you know, when we hit rock bottom, 
we're like, I need to do this. You know, I can see the beast is coming within me. The black dogs of my own (laughs) shadows of the mind are are coming up. I've got to quiet that I've got this. There has to be some way to get this thing to shift. And, um, you know, you chose to use psychology and to hack the brain. And then you found that that was an effective thing, obviously, because you took a great interest in it, correct? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a really painful experience because it's like if uh, we look to heal ourselves while we are injured. But I could, you know, uh, it's, uh, I was testing on myself a lot of different things. And then the first breakthrough came to my mind that, that by combining different frequencies in one track or by combining different tracks, I could overcome a lot of different negative things. Because, uh, you know, that's something I didn't find in the market, like people targeting the whole brain functioning. Yeah. And uh, so that's how I could come with something, I would say, pretty unique, designing programs. Hmm. And as a quick explanation, uh, a program is a set of sessions that will come with uh, guidance. And each session will target, let's say, a specific part of the brain. So by combining all those sessions, we can target the whole brain and fix the issue, of course, mm. in a fast, effective and pleasant way. So through observations, I could, I could understand that there was something huge to do in the field. And uh, one of my challenges was that, you know, when you go through the scientific papers, when the guys, for example, they perform, a, let's say they, they will analyze the five hertz frequency they will analyze only five hertz frequency with a group maybe of six years of hundreds of thousand people. They will not say five hertz combined with this one and that one will lead you to this. Okay, so that's also a breakthrough I have to come with. That there was, it was possible to combine more than one number in one track. Okay. In order before to we create even, something more powerful. Before we even get into the hertz, because some people love the sessions, you know, sometimes you've probably experienced this when you're talking about frequencies, people's eyes glaze over and you say, okay, just lie down, listen, <laughs> tell me how you feel. Because um, <laughs> some people, they hear a number and they're just like, wow. But of course, this is important. This is a technical science. Um, yeah. And so I, I guess really the next question I really want to go into is, um, tell me a little bit about auditory stimulation like how it actually works. And then we can maybe go into frequencies after that, just to help the listeners. Obviously, I know um, what you're talking about, but just it might really help somebody who's hearing you right now and very interested and really wants to know how this process actually occurs. Okay, so, you know, let's say that we have, uh, our brains have a characteristic um, that is also common, uh, all humans will have a characteristic as well as some animals. It depends, of course, you know, it depends on the size of the skull. But we, ha- we, we can synchronize ourselves to a sound if we are exposed to it for a certain amount of time. Okay, so this is the basic idea. And now is, that the frequency, that are... is that like the frequency following response? The brain tends to follow yeah. a dominant frequency in its environment. Yeah, yeah it can be a sound, it can be a light. And that can be, yeah. Is that almost like in in primitive cultures when they use the drum, when they use repetitive drumming, that's what the brain, that's what happens with the brain, right? Yeah, like the the shamanic drum, for example, can put people in a trance uh, state 
let's say now that you have four or five different softwares and you can make the boom super precise. Well, yeah. And, and the other thing too is the yeah. shaman's arm tops out at seven hertz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's under like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. That, that, that one is a kind of maybe five hertz beat mm. per second. So yeah, we can see that it, if we go back in time, it's well known that the sound can trigger certain, uh, al how do you say, alternative states of mind, alternative state of mind. And, totally. uh, but now we use uh, softwares. Now we can do that in a more precise way. And uh, what is pretty impressive is that the brain can understand that language. The brain you know can what? understand the frequencies. You know, I call it the, um, the digital versus analog. And this is something that's coming up more and more often or the um, precise versus the organic, right? Take an example, you know, the band Led Zeppelin. Yeah. So Led Zeppelin, they just kind of played, they played together and they played together a lot and they played a lot of concerts and they would do sometimes some things in their fills and that they're just very natural and organic that happen. And then, you know, music theorists would come along and they'd try to look at what Led Zeppelin was doing. And it was very complicated when they tried to annotate it. And so when you try to actually structure this, it becomes something that's so nonlinear that it becomes extremely complicated. In a similar way, when the shaman beats the drum and he's in tune with those around him on a subconscious level, an emotional level, um, you know, some of the levels that maybe we have yet to fully grasp, you know, there is a resonance. There's a transpersonal sort of field that gets created. And so maybe the slight variations in his drumming speed and the actual timbre of his drumming are actually moving in resonance with what's needed for those people. And so that is um, the organic side of it. Now, he cannot go faster than a certain tone and he's gonna get tired <laughs> after a while. And so therefore, with the digital, and we see this with you know digital music, there's things that you can do with the digital being so surgical that yeah. You can't achieve that organically. And so I guess the, it becomes a matter of which tool do you use? I mean, do you use a, um, a brush or do you use a scalpel? You know, and, and there's this surgical precision that goes along with the digital side. And I just want to raise this as a discussion, not to say one's better than the other, because they can both mm -hmm. have their uses. But we, are now, we have now accessed something that could not be accessed before because of what is possible with yeah. you know, the work you do. And the other thing too is the shaman could only understand the people that were in front of him. He may not have known large yeah. groups of people that were studied somewhere else. Understanding the way that collectively our, our brains function can give us some guidelines around, okay, where's, where's some starting guidelines with these? How long should these tracks play for? How, what speed should they be at? So it's a very interesting, when I think of it from that perspective, where the technology allows us to do things that are very interesting that could not have been done before. Yeah, yeah like before uh, something else about the shaman is that when, when those guys were listening to him, they had another form of input around them or the sounds they were maybe distracted by the, the heat or whatever. But when you use a headphone, 
you are just with that frequency. And, uh, and something else is that I noticed that when the beat is just pure, perfect, and you have like a pure rhythm, the brain will react in a much stronger way. You know, I mean, when you play with the software and you know that if you say, if you set your thing at five hertz, it will be five. There will be no mistake. Yes. Uh, and the brain likes that. The brain really enjoys that. And uh, that's how, uh, that's why with the software, we can create some really powerful uh, entrainment. Mm. Uh, something else. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to check about Led Zeppelin. That's pretty interesting. I know that they were just amazing. They were creating like something just unique. Mm -hmm. I, I would dive into that. I would like to understand more, especially the, the way they were playing with the, the battery. The battery. Oops. I know that they had something very unique. So, yeah, I would like, uh, do we switch to numbers a little bit? I would like to share some stuff about how the brain understands that. So maybe, I, I mean, not everybody's going to hear, have known about the different brainwave states. It might just be good to say that mm -hmm. our experience of reality is essentially based on our dominant brainwave frequency. Yeah. Right? So it's in typically in the beta range and that means it's usually vibrating somewhere between 14 and 28 hertz and that's our analytical concentrative sort of semi-stressed out <laughs> way of experiencing yeah. reality right and then below that from 8 to 14 hertz is the more relaxed lucid in tune flowing alpha state and then yeah, this when you talk about five hertz there's this range four to um, eight hertz called theta, which yeah. is responsible for transpersonal experiences and sort of very deep levels of, of consciousness and sometimes um, experiencing other realities, experiencing things that may or not be in our physical vicinity. And then there's, yeah. there's delta, which is, you know, a, the lowest state there's also one that's higher too but anyway so when we these mystical experiences and these things that occur in our reality are based upon certain frequencies so when yasin speaks about five hertz there's a specific experience of reality that occurs at five hertz correct yeah let's say yeah but, um, you resume it pretty well let's say that well, the brain is always firing. Each part of the brain at a certain moment is working at a specific frequency. And uh, so by using brain stimulation, we can we take, can take ourselves to the state we are looking for. And let's say that, for example, as you said, the theta state is the range of frequencies that allows you to dive in yourself, to have some experiences that we usually don't have when we are awake. And that's the beauty of brain simulation is that we have access to some content that we cannot, we, we cannot find, we cannot get in touch with in our daily life. Like I mentioned five hertz because it's one of uh, the, the, I love the five hertz actually, you know, it has a lot of benefits. So when we get in this state, usually we are sleeping, we are dreaming, we are not aware, we are not aware of what's going on. But if we can get there and stay awake, that's where the funny things happen we can literally talking explore our subconscious so this is the power of these technologies that it allows us to dive in our subconscious while remaining 
staying awake and eventually reprogram ourselves. That's the beauty of all of this. And anyone can do it. You know, it's not like uh, anyone can dive into those uh, states. And most of the low frequencies, when we take someone to a very low frequency, like a meditative state or almost a coma state, when we talk about delta or epsilon, when people get to that state and they are awake, the, well, they can reprogram themselves. They can, you know, they can have access to something I call the quantum field. So basically, you can even, even see future events that could happen to you. And we can even dive in the past because the quantum field, mainly Tolkien, is a place where the time doesn't exist. Past, present, future, what happened, what could have happened, what could happen, everything is stored there. So with some sessions, it's possible to just get there to that database and, and get answers. Of course, it requires training. It's a lot of information available, but the, the, just to mention the fact that this technology is pretty amazing because it opens doors, you know, we can have access to some really cool stuff. Yeah, I think people that struggle with meditation would find that very attractive because often people want to experience these, these deeply connected states of existing, but they may struggle with trying to sit on the cushion and, and waiting for things to happen. Now, yeah. <laughs> I, I specifically want to know how combining, you know, cognitive um, psychological techniques and brain stimulation can be um, synergized to make sort of a powerful tool. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I will, I will do my best to resume it. Um, so... Can we talk first about emotions? I would like to talk about emotions and their nature. Mm. And based on that, uh, you know, it will take like a couple of minutes, just totally. a quick... Uh, yeah, let's so go into let's emotions. Say, yeah, I think that freedom comes from the way we master our emotions. So mastering emotions is not repressing emotions. For me, I believe that mastering emotions or having, emotion, having emotional control means that I feel my emotions, but I'm not victim of that. Right. Okay, so, so the, how everything started, you know, we have three brains. We can, some people divide the brain in three different parts. The first one is the reptilian brain. The second one is the limbic system. And the third one is the neocortex. Uh, in its very simple form, an emotion is something that will happen. Like, let's say you have a rabbit having a meal the rabbit is happy you know having a carrot and suddenly a fox appears what will happen is that that rabbit has to switch from being in the, his comfort zone to something else run away run for your life that's an emotion the emotion is all those changes that will happen in the body functions in order to switch to another form of behaving Okay, so this is a very basic thing. For humans, it's much more complex than that. But this is the function of the reptilian brain. And by the way, the reptilian brain comes with maybe 20 different sets of instructions. It's like a computer. It's uh, very basic programs. Do yeah. this if this happens. Do this if this happens. So this is the emotion in its uh, very simple form. On top of this reptilian brain, we have the limbic one. Okay, this brain is a more sophisticated one 
and it will analyze it's actually some people say it's the brain that is responsible for altruistic behavior mm. meaning that it will create empathy and other complex emotions and they work together the the limbic brain is uh, i think like 60 million years old and the reptilian one is around 200 million years uh, old and uh, on top of that we have the neocortex the neocortex will will create a more sophisticated response to what is happening in front of me if my i give you an example my teacher is coming i'm a kid i'm afraid of him my brain will say okay run away but the other brain will say no if you run away you will pay the consequences so face your fear and stay in front of him you understand so this is the way it happens and many times and that's the problem maybe of our civilization is that we uh we switch to reptilian brain, the reptilian brain, without going through the more sophisticated one. Mm. <laughs> and uh, just an analogy, our governments are reptilian brains in action, by the way, because they, it's about territory and it's about fighting, it's about nationalism and all that stuff. You know? So this is a very primitive way of behaving. That's what I tell people when, uh, whenever they come at me and say we're being ruled by reptiles. Is I'm like, no, you're not ruled by reptiles. You're ruled yeah. by the reptilian brain. <laughs> so yeah, and that's correct. Yeah, we we live in a reptilian society. Even if we have this new brain, or let's call it consciousness, we still humans still don't know how to deal with it. Most of the time, we switch to old, the the old one. No. The two hemispheres of the brain, they're drastically different, the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere, separated by the corpus callosum, of course. But it feels yeah. like to me, and this is something I've read, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that there is an association between the left hemisphere of the brain and the reptilian brain, and then the right hemisphere of the brain and the limbic system. You know, there are different ways of dividing that. For, for me, the, the way now I stick to it, because, you know, usually what we do, we, we say, okay, like uh, the left brain has a very specific set of, you know, characteristics for language, for calculations and etc. And the right one uh, is more about space, about emotions and about uh, that stuff. But mm -hmm. I, th I think it's, well, we it's just uh, looking to make it simple because what happens is that if I get injured in the right on the right, my right brain, maybe some functions in the other one will try to 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 perform that job. Yeah, yeah, overcompensate. Even if at the beginning there was like a di differentiation, they were like uh, specialized in very different things. So I don't know what they will discover in the future, but mainly talking, I think we can say that each part of each side of the brain has special functions, mm. and uh, they are both connected to the reptilian brain. It's like if everything, you know, it's like if everything at the end, that information is analyzed, put together and sent to the other one. Uh, and let's see what will happen in the future, what kind of things they will discover. And, but, you know, it's pretty difficult to say, I mean, like emotions are here and not there. Mm, everything is so interconnected that, yeah, it's pretty difficult to just divide uh, things. Yeah, an emotion in its very simple form is uh, is an instruction that will come from my brain in order to activate something different in my body because a change happened in the world around me. I'm talking about animals. Now, for humans, we have also uh, inner universe, so things get much more complex. <laughs> okay, yeah. so yeah, man, because we react also to that, you know. 
the power to create illusions. I don't think that animals that have that gift. You know, there's the book Sapiens, and, and that's actually the, the one thing that made us triumph over some of our uh, prehistoric predecessors is that we could create a concept, a god, a deity, and an, a group of people could agree on it. And people you haven't met who hold the same belief in the same deity could come together and have a shared value system. And that's actually how the Homo sapiens sapiens um, basically triumphed over the Neanderthals who were much larger and stronger is because they had this ability to conceptualize. Because Neanderthals were basically like, you know, water is there, get water. They didn't have the ability to um, come up with abstract thinking. Yeah, you know, uh, so yeah, you said something super interesting. I would like to, to talk about it now, uh, about consciousness. Uh, I have been following the work of uh, a guy from Princeton, Professor Julian James, about consciousness and how it appeared in human society. So according to him, what you just mentioned now, the capacity of abstraction with metaphors is something that happened like 3,500 years ago. And before that, people were kind of, they were not abstract. Water, water. Uh, I mean, if you read old books, like the Testament and all that stuff, these guys, they, they have a pretty different way of uh, behaving. They had a right brain creating, go uh, hearing gods, we call it the God brain, and they were hearing and communicating with the gods, and those instructions were sent to the left brain, and the left brain was pushing people to take action. Okay, so this is the theory. Uh, so when we, we, we see these guys saying, ah, my God asked me to go for war, I'm going for war. We say, oh, these guys are crazy. They are talking to like what? To some weird God. But actually they were not creating or imagining. That was their reality. They were hearing the gods in their mind. And it was sent, the instruction was sent to hear and pushing them to take action. But then due to some pressures, survival pressure, if you check about what happened 3,500 years ago, a lot of people died, a chaos happened on Earth. You know, there, there is a actually a very nice video explaining all of that. Humans had to create something different. That's how they discovered the conscious way of thinking. So for the first time in what, human history, humans... I, I haven't actually heard of that. I know around 1500 BC, like the, there was a switch in Egypt and like the, it became more militant, for instance, you know, it became more about um, militant and dominating dynastic rule. And so I know that there was more, slightly more wars, but what was this chaos that you're uh, um, speaking of? Yeah, the chaos came in big part because societies became very complex and the way they were organized, meaning following God's voices and uh, ruling the society, the voices became confused, you know, <laughs> so... Uh, you know, people didn't know what to do. And also when you have an empire that gets big and big and bigger, it's not easy for the gods to control it. Because as soon, let's say I follow a god uh, G1, as soon as I get far from the source of G1, I lose my link with it. You know, so uh, I'm just trying to resume it. So that's how, according to Julian James, consciousness appeared. And when consciousness appeared, subjectivity happened. Humans become subjective. If you see the story of uh, heaven, when Adam makes for the first time a choice between following God or following his consciousness. He follows his desire, and when he eats the apple, he feels guilty. So that's a metaphor 
of when humans became conscious about their own existence, they also start to feel guilty because they lost contact with God. So in the brain, when consciousness was discovered, this mode of consciousness was discovered, humans couldn't hear gods as before. So that was the stage one of uh, brain evolution. The second stage is our stage, where we are in between the human god or superhuman and the old mentality, following external guidance. We are in between. Oh. Yes. And now we are going to a big shift because voices are getting crazy. Humans now don't know what to follow. <laughs> oh. Facebook, Instagram, uh, drugs, uh, music, you know, it's just a real mess. So uh, I base a lot of my understanding of emotions on what this guy discovered, uh, Julian James. And uh, so, yeah, so mainly talking, the, the biggest problem now would be just to find our self-guidance. Okay, so a big part of emotional control is from- The there. last um, seven episodes this, this year that I've done on this podcast have focused around individuation individuation yeah. yes and and healthfully individuating because of the fact that we have been so confused listening to external authorities because yeah. it's still wrapped up in religion there's the intergenerational effect that it's had imprinting our dna with sort of religious concepts in a society that is yeah. postmodern. yeah yeah it's and, true. Uh, the DNA comes with a lot of, uh, hmm? yeah, I would say, one's own deeper passions and the deeper layers of what who, who they are when they connect with that. So, and, and that's what I aim to do with my one-on-one -on -one sessions is bring people into that layer beneath all the mental chatter, beneath all the emotional wounding and traumas. What is the core essence of you? What does it feel like? You now, how do you act from that place? How do you make that your lens to perceive reality? Individuation first, and then we can talk about doing things together. That's the way I see it. Once you know who you are, what you want, what you don't want, then when yeah. you want something and somebody else wants it, you can have true cooperation without manipulation, without the normal problems and the need for extensive contracts and you know people getting hurt and that type of thing. It's just obvious if both of you value the same thing yeah. at a deep level, you will put aside your petty differences to go about finding that in a more mature and aligned way. Yeah, uh, yeah. as you said, you know, a lot of genetic stuff uh, going on there. Uh, like talking about the three brains, what happens most of the time in our, in our civilization is that we downshift, meaning that we switch from taking action based on something rational, individualism, mm. to taking actions based on our reptilian brains. Mm. Okay, and uh, we, uh, I would say that uh, we still need training to master, to master this, this uh, ability of being conscious and knowing exactly why we do something. So downshifting is when we just switch to something based on genetics instead mm. of based on on knowing exactly what I do. And, uh, and you know, uh, even when we are not downshifting, many times it happens that we are just influenced by our reptilian brains. So emotional control is being able to know when I'm behaving in automatic ways based on mm. my reptilian brain, 
on my genetics and when actually I'm doing it because I'm 100% aware of why I'm doing that choice. And we can also talk about multi-mind. We are more than one mind in, in here. So also emotional control is becoming like aware of that, that we are not one person in here, but we are many. But in all those personalities, there is one, the real self. You know, the, I believe uh, that. There's a great story, metaphor told, and that is um, if we're on a ship of fools, the captain is sleeping below, and the, the drunk sailors are steering the ship, and every sailor gets a turn. One sailor turns the wheel because he wants to go to port and he wants to get drunk and more drunk and, you know, find some women to sleep with. Another one wants to go to this island to see what's on. And another one wants to go to Madrid to get some gold or something <laughs> like that. And so they all have their own ideas and they all get a turn at the wheel and the ship goes nowhere that is, is even yeah. measurable. So the only thing they can do is enough sailors that see the chaos can get together, wake up the captain. And the captain is our true identity is our, our solar identity as i call it and the captain gets up lays down the law takes the wheel steers the ship to where it really should go and then puts all the other sailors to work and, and you Actually, know <laughs> that's a beautiful analogy david yes and you know it's um i think this is where psychology and spirituality meet really yeah because at the end of the day, that, that's really what we can't do anything that's outside of us. And when we find our deepest passions, when we find who we really are, and we organize all these little eyes, little eyes are the little unmet needs of the child that are expressing through our adult life, through the desires that we have and the complications we have in our adult life, or however you want to view it. But they're unmet aspects of us. Yeah, and uh, you know, that's a really beautiful analogy. It's like if the captain is kind of lazy and trusts uh, blindly his guys. Yes. So he's having a nap. <laughs> oh, I'll take a nap. Everyone is having fun. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I trust you, man. It's okay. You're a good sailor. So, you know, I, I would like it just like um, about emotional control. Totally. It's, uh, it's developing the ability to control those little minds we have in here. Yes. And become aware of all of them. And it, it comes not from laziness it comes from work and being aware i mean each decision has to be questioned that's i think one of the ways to to raise awareness every time i do something okay why and then the why of the why and so on and i keep moving like that uh, so that was about the multi-mind and uh, about, we still have a lot of programs running there in the background. So emotional control comes from understanding we are more than one person in here. Yes. Some people call it personality. It means uh, that makeup that society will force me to have yeah. on top of my real self. And something else I would like to talk before switching to how frequencies and all of this can be combined is about our thoughts. So, mm. you know, uh, thoughts, uh, in terms of numbers, I, I would say that automatic thoughts happen in less than a tenth of a second. I will give you an example. Let's say uh, I'm driving my, my bike and suddenly someone does something that upsets me. I get upset and I start to shout. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so actually I'm not reacting to what's happened outside, but my reaction is to my automatic thoughts 
that happened in my mind so fast that I was I wasn't aware of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the because you know emotions and thoughts are linked together. So it's uh, on the way to more emotional control. It's pretty important to understand how we react to our thoughts and not to external events. When someone comes to me and says, I assume you are blah, 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 something very negative. Actually, I'm reacting to my thoughts on that event, right. to what I believe about all of that. So emotional control goes also through mastering all of this, learning how to, like if something makes me feel sad or upset, I have to identify, if I identify what is the thought behind my emotion, then I have the power to change it. And then I will, through a process of like logic and reason, analyze if that thought, if that belief is rational or not. And then with the power of the will, I can remove it or keep it if it's a good one. So I think we must also be aware of our automatic thoughts that yes. we are victim of all of that. Well, I mean, they and, essentially uh, filter reality. They, 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 yes. yeah. they create an internal reality that doesn't match the external world. And the more yeah, of a differential between our internal reality and the external one, the more problems, the more unease we're going to feel in life because we don't feel connected to the world around us. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, one last point in here. You know, it's, sure. uh, it's a lot of things you say. Just I would like to add one last point about emotional totally. control. is about what we call common phrases. So a common phrase is like if, uh, you know, something happens to me and I say, I'm, I'm not lucky in life. It always happens right. to me. Yes. This is a brain virus. You know, this is like if I'm, repro uh, if I'm always feeding my brain with something very negative and I keep it there. And, and we have hundreds of this. You know, people who don't introspect it themselves, they have hundreds of this and they are led by this kind of mental viruses so it's very important every time i say something to myself especially when i'm not feeling good to be aware of that sentence why do i say this what do i say it always happens to me does it mean that life is someone or something waiting to mess with me and put me in trouble no okay so we we must also be careful with this kind of phrases and well there are many other points but the way we combine this with frequencies is that when we use brain simulation sessions, actually the, the frequency will do a lot of this job of cleaning the brain from irrational things, from automatic thoughts. Because a thought is, is, is stored, let's say in the brain, okay, let's put it in a very simple way. It's stored in the brain, it's a kind of circuit of neurons there. So when I hack my brain, when I give to my brain some kind of frequencies, some circuits, will just kind of melt and disappear. That's why always people will feel refreshed and they will feel that something is changing in them, something deep is changing, even if they don't know exactly what's going on there. So this is the power of frequencies. We don't need much work as if we don't use them to grow. It can, the job can be done just by sending the right number to the brain. So we can look at it in this way, you know. That, uh, you know, one of the programs I created was like for anxiety. Anxiety is uh, you have a lot of different brain centers there. And by I remember a girl, she was always super scared when, scared when she was surfing. And after three sessions with 
uh, theta frequencies, she came back to, to see me and she said that she was feeling weird because she wasn't afraid when she was certain. <laughs> I said, that's good. You, you don't need to be scared. The only thing here is that, you know, we could remove the negative emotion, but the belief that she had to be scared was still there. But then it was easy to remove it as well. Mm. It was interesting to see how emotion and belief are linked together and one can still exist without the other one. So she wasn't scared anymore, but she, she had the belief that she must be. You know, we also sometimes believe that we must feel this or that emotion when uh, in reality we don't need. So this is what uh, frequencies also can do. They can speed up those processes of growing, removing fears, getting smarter, sleeping better and even less and so on. And healing as well. Yes. You know, yes. healing as well can be done through frequencies. I like, have, a uh, I have a question about your, tell me, please. something you mentioned earlier. You mentioned that um, in your programs, you can actually target the whole brain. You know, um, yes. or you, you seek to do that throughout the entire program. Is that simply done by using different frequencies because each frequency is associated with a certain uh, facet of active brain area, like where there's actual brain activity going on? Yeah, so it's done through using different frequencies, but also the way the frequency will be sent to the brain. You know, like in brain stimulation, we can use square, sin, uh, or triangle, how do you say, triangular, um, triangular, like triangular, triangular, wave. Wave, triangular waves, yes. So the same session, if you use a different way to deliver the sound, I mean, the same set of frequencies, if you send them in different ways, will have a different effect on the brain. So sometime, sometimes you, you can have the same session, the same set of frequencies, but you will deliver them in different ways in order to trigger different parts of the brain. You know, some parts of the brain like uh, love square mm. frequencies and some parts will react in a much better way if you send uh, a sine wave. So it's numbers and the way you deliver and also if you send in stereo, if you send in mono, uh, there are different filters that can be used also to trigger this or that part of the brain. Right. So essentially, and all of that is sound, man. It's, it's all sound. Sound is. <laughs> and, and and I guess Amazing. the 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 shaman could only control that if you know you want to do it in stereo. Well, two shamans. <laughs> you want to do it mono? The shaman stands in front of you. You know, you want to yeah, you, you want to do a square wave. You hit at the edge of the drum. You want to do a sine wave. You hit at the middle of the yeah, drum. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been like a challenge for him, you know. Yeah, I, the only reason I'm saying that is because um, I know this is, uh, it's obvious if you have a background in audio engineering, you know what all this means. But if you don't, and you're just a music enthusiast or listener, you might be listening to these words and you're like, what is he talking about? And so I, I brought in the shaman analogy there just to help people visualize different ways we can modulate the experience. Yeah, actually, well, as you said, is modulate. Yeah, it's sound modulation, and the brain is exactly. very, very sensitive to like super tiny changes. You change, uh, like uh, you know, you change the shape of the the wave, you get something very different. And uh, so, well, combining frequencies with cognitive science allows people, and that's what we do. We help, like when someone asks for coaching, we will combine 
uh, a set of sessions based on uh, the feedback with that client, with that person. We will ask a few questions. I will design the tracks. And then we will uh, also design uh, a program based on cognitive science, the, the beliefs, you know, the way we think is the way we feel, is the way we behave. So, we, plus other exercises to raise awareness and help people understand why they behave or why they make this or that choice. And yes. for me, frequencies were life changing, man. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I have, by the way, my special collection, you know. I, mm -hmm. I, I like some, some to create really weird experiences. And uh, it's a life-changing thing because as soon as people discover all of this, they find like a, a really amazing shortcut. Yes. Can you imagine so, like... I, I can, but I really want to hear, I really want to hear about what kind of weird experiences. Give me the, one of the weirdest experiences you've created for yourself. Because these personal stories, I think, are, are invaluable. <laughs> okay one of them uh look i uh, i went for a trip three years ago i said i'm going to travel without money so the challenge was to get to lombok with uh, no cash and stay there for two weeks and then get to hong kong and stay three or four days get a visa and back to thailand okay i said okay and before doing that i designed the session i called it the kiss of god so I said, let's, let's use this session to attract what I want. I went to Lombok. When I, paid, uh, when I got to the airport and I paid the taxi, I had left $20. You know, with $20, we cannot, cannot go very far, like having a flight ticket to Hong Kong and Hong Kong to Thailand, the visa, the stay, $20. And then I paid my little place for a couple of days, $0. Well, I have some money for some fried rice for a couple of days. And then every day I was using the kiss of God to attract what I wanted. So what I did every night was closing my eyes and I said, look, everything is there for me. So if I have faith in life, and this is, by the way, a very spiritual experience. I said, if I believe in life, if I believe in the universe, the solution will just come to me. And the first evening when I closed my eyes, I saw that uh, I had no faith in life. I was afraid of believing that I could make it happen. So as soon as you removed the fear, that same night, the next day someone came to me and, and bow, uh, asked me what I was doing for, for work. I explained about frequencies they, and he said, okay, I would like to get something. So for the next uh, two weeks, every single day almost, someone was coming asking me what was my job and, and getting stuff uh, from me. So that was one of the experiences where I saw that, you know, I could dive in that field of opportunities and I could see it with my eyes. You know, I was awake in that meditation. Of course, I'm talking about a state where my body doesn't exist anymore. When you get in that state, this was very deep frequency around 4.05, 5.05. Okay, this was one uh, of the experiences, like uh, other experiences was that I couldn't talk for a couple of days. Uh, I did, you know, I slept with Schumann I forgot my headphone, you know, I had my headphone and for the whole night I was under the Schumann frequency. The next day, just, I stopped talking. I was like super high, like under drugs, but feeling good. I, I could like feel people talking to me, I could understand what was going on in their mind. That was really impressive. You know, I could feel things that, I don't know, it was like magic. I could read people more than ever. Wow. Sometimes, sometimes changes in colors. 
Sometimes you can hack your brain and you start to see some tones and hear sounds that usually we don't have the capacity to hear or perceive. You know, and by the way, the, the, the last uh, thousand years, our, uh, the sight evolved. You know, some, we couldn't see the same colors as we see now. Uh, it's just to mention this point. And with frequencies, you can also make your uh, nervous system evolve faster than what it was designed for. Yeah. Okay, so we can perceive sounds and even colors that usually we, we are not uh, able to, to, uh, to have, to understand, to see, to feel, to smell. So I had a lot of stuff like this. And imagine when you sit in front of someone and you don't look at the shape, uh, external shape anymore, but you are talking with the subconscious. It's scary <laughs> sometimes, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, it's like if someone says something and you can just get in, in, inside his or, or her brain. You know, so this is kind of the stuff I experienced. And also fast healing. Mm -hmm. Fast healing also. You know, man, I, ha I got more than 20 dislocations in my life. And uh, I used, for example, to heal in three weeks with frequencies I can heal in, in one week, around one week. So that's also pretty impressive how the body can, can help you when you ask your brain to do the right job. That's impressive. Yeah, stuff like that. That's very and impressive. And you can have hallucinations, you know, because I can also like create trips like uh, mushrooms, I can create uh, digital drugs. It's just I never, uh, I'm not interested in that now. I like just with medi different meditations, I, I feel very happy with my life and with myself. But, you know, some people would like to get like uh, digital cocaine. That's also possible to design. It's Jesus. just I'm not interested in creating that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you buy it with cryptos. It's just an all 100% digital experience. Yeah, and it's not illegal because no. people would have nothing in their blood, you know? Well, you could argue nothing actually happened because there's nothing physical yeah. there. <laughs> it would make double upset the police, you know? Okay, where is the... Go for a blood test. Okay, I have nothing. I'm high. Well, well there's no money and there's no drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, and by the way, there is a story that happened in the U.S. Some uh -huh. kids got uh, digital weed. And, uh -huh. uh, and I don't know how they ended in the police station about that because they knew someone got uh, put them in trouble. But they couldn't keep going with that story because they have nothing in their blood. So a digital drug is not something illegal and it's not possible to make it illegal. Wow. Yeah, you know, yeah this, they got something from the... It's crazy, eh? Yeah. But, hey, they say the, in the future, the dealers will come from Silicon Valley. They would not come anymore from the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, the, the, this is the end of the guy uh, standing at the corner of the street and selling, uh, you know. No, now it's MP3 files. Yes. Finito. <laughs> well, yes, seen this so, has yeah. been... Um, an amazing interview with you, a deep dive into psychology and audio, audio stimulation. And, you know, some of the interfacing of our deeper purposes are maybe our spiritual life and psychology and how our brains can play tricks on us, especially, you know, with the automatic messaging we're sending and with the, when the emotions are running the show, when the lower brains, as you said, we've downgraded. Anyway, um, I just really want to um, thank you for coming on. And at the same time, I also want you to speak a little bit about what you're doing that people can plug into, because I'm sure some of the listeners of this show might be very interested in or curious in trying out some of the work you're doing. So if you want to include what that might look like, that would be very helpful. 
Okay, so look, first, uh, thank you for having me here. It was a great pleasure uh, to see you and talk to you and share with the others. And what we are doing now is just once a week, two, three times, depending on the week, we offer online sessions. So uh, the guests can join and have uh, a brain simulation session with us. So we always start with uh, an explanation about how it works and what to expect. And then they go for the journey. And then after, after that, we have a Q&A so they can ask questions and share also with us, uh, you know, give the feedback. And at the same time, also we offer like uh, we sell programs. Mm -hmm. So if someone is looking to, you know, to fix some issue or just increase uh, the cognitive uh, faculties, we, we have programs for that, sleep, anxiety, depression, and also the cognitive enhancement uh, program. And so we also offer coaching using cognitive science and brain stimulation. Wonderful. That sounds very slick, very easy, very personal too. Any information on that will be found in the description below for people to listen to. So please do scroll down and check out the link to that. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show, Yassine. And um, this is a great conversation. I hope, uh, I hope the listeners feel they got a lot out of this as well. Thank you, David, and uh, wishing you the best. Au revoir. Au revoir. Bye.